Hello guys and welcome back. You guys are here with Tony Brienne as I'm giving y'all another episode of True Crimes and Tony Time. In today's episode of True Crimes and Tony Time, we are going to be discussing Black Wall Street and the Tulsa Massacre of 1921. So in the early 20th century, Black Wall Street was a self-sufficient, prosperous Black business district. Black Wall Street was placed in the Greenwood neighborhood in Tulsa, Oklahoma in the early 20th century. So Black Wall Street was created because in the past, African-American workers mainly worked as servants in Tulsa and they wanted to have their own and that made them create their own private and insular society with its own economy. The businesses that came from Black Wall Street were grocery stores, barber shops, black doctors opened up their own practices, and real estate agents opened up their own businesses along with other very prosperous careers. This neighborhood was so great that they also had their own newspaper and schools. So Black Wall Street, as you guys could clearly hear and see, was thriving and growing rapidly. But that was until the Tulsa riots of 1921. So on May 30th, 1921, a young African-American shoe shiner named Dick Rowland was accused of assaulting a white girl named Sarah Page in the elevator of a building in downtown Tulsa. Um, so after these crimes happened, uh, well, let me just say this. It's not even clear if she was really assaulted. People have several theories about what they think that happened. Um, so this elevator in particular was known to be very faulty. So people think that maybe the elevator shook a little bit, which caused Dick to fall and probably tumble over onto Sarah. And she freaked out because, oh, you know, black man on the elevator is scary. And she screamed. And that's when somebody heard her scream and they right away caused a big scene and they just saw a black man running out because Dick got scared. Um, I'm going to start calling him Roland now because his name is just throwing me off a little bit. But yes, Roland freaked out and he ran out. So all they heard was a screaming white woman and then a black man running. And as y'all know, even today, but it definitely in the 1920s, uh, that was like a, oh, no, no, no. What happened? It looked very sketchy. The Tribune newspaper printed a story alleging that Roland had tried to sexually assault Paige and they said that specifically by saying Sarah Paige's dress was quote-unquote ripped and during that time when someone said that your dress was ripped that automatically meant sexual assault in accompanying newspaper I mean excuse me editorial stating that a lynching was planned for that night so that night mobs of white people formed now they started this they formed outside the courthouse where Roland was, Dick Roland, and they had guns and they were ready for a fight and they had rope. They were ready to lynch Roland when he got outside of that courthouse. And that caused black men in Black Wall Street to come out and basically protect Roland. They came out with guns. They came out with um, experience. Some people were saying that they were also uh, on both ends. There was experienced people from the army. But yeah, they were mainly there to protect Roland while white people were there to kill Roland and to start chaos. And that's exactly what they did. So shots were fired outside of the courthouse and that immediately started the massacre. Many people ran back to Black Wall Street into the neighborhoods. Um, the 
uh, black people that were there to protect Roland knew that the white people would be coming and they were ready. So they prepared them. For, they prepared themselves for anything going down. At first, they were really good at protecting themselves, but they were outnumbered because there were several white people, not just, you know, regular citizens, police officers, army personnel came out to come and to cause riots and to murder numerous black people because of an allegation. And when I tell y'all that also they were just handing out deputy um, honors like stickers, oh yeah, they were. So a lot of the police forces were like, when they heard other other white people from neighboring towns heard that this was happening, they were, you know, they were ready. They wanted an excuse to come and destroy this community. And basically the white cops gave them deputy badges so that they were able to do this without getting in trouble. You know, they probably wouldn't have gotten in trouble anyway, but that's just tea for another day. Okay, so basically over the next two days, mobs of white people looted and set fire to African-American businesses in homes throughout the city. Many of the mob members were recently returned from World War I veterans, and they were trained in the use of firearms and are said to have shot African-Americans on sight. Some survivors even claimed that people in airplanes dropped bombs onto their community. So after this riot happened, there were numerous deaths. There were deaths in the hundreds, mainly on the African-American side. Um, the riot took a heavy financial toll on African-Americans. Many of their homes and businesses were destroyed. Following the riot, residents of Greenwood met resistance to rebuild. And nonetheless, African-American professionals, and entrepreneurs slowly began to rebuild. Um, lawyers offered legal assistance to African-Americans jailed in the riots, and they helped them sue the city for compensation. So a massive reconstruction of the district was completed in 1922, which was only a year after the riot and without the help of the greater Tulsa community, which was great. Black people, you know, we get to done, okay? Um, so 80 businesses were opened by the end of 1922. And the community thrived significantly throughout the first half of the century, even during the Great Depression, which is a really big achievement and accomplishment. So also in addition to the businesses that were already in existence, um, there was also a business college bill and there was reopening offices of the African-American newspaper, which is a really good thing. And many middle and upper class African-Americans lived there. So that was definitely a huge accomplishment, especially after Black Wall Street was basically destroyed. So in addition, it provided them a backbone for greater civic and political participation by Tulsa's African-American residents. But unfortunately, by the end of the 1950s, more than half of the businesses had closed. Um, desegregation allowed the entry of businesses owned by whites to come in. And um, the one good benefit about this was that several African-Americans in the community invested in entities outside of Greenwood. So they were fine regardless, but Black Wall Street sadly no longer exists. And by 1961, 90% of African-American income in Tulsa was spent outside of the Greenwood district. So in addition to the Greenwood Cultural Center being built and attracting tourism, um, that also helped address culture within African-Americans. And it was also great for bringing harmony between races in Tulsa, which in fact helped preserve the cultural center of Black Wall Street. And it was also responsible for building the 1921 Black Wall Street Memorial in the name of the people who had died in the riot. So that is a little bit about Black Wall Street. And I know a lot of you guys do not know or did not know, excuse me, about Black Wall Street. You guys have heard of it, but didn't know the details of it. But Black Wall Street was such a huge accomplishment and achievement in the black community. And who knows 
where we would be if Black Wall Street had continued and had continued to prosper. I personally think that the Tulsa riots really put a big hit on Black Wall Street being preserved for centuries, um, or at least one century now because we're heading into 19, oh not 19, we're heading into 2021 very soon, thank god because 2020 has been nothing but hell. Um, but I do feel like it played a part and I know that obviously Black people were so resilient in that we were able to rebuild the city within a year well the community excuse me within a year but i feel like it still did take a toll on the community and all the people that could have benefited from that um i really wish that we could like create a new black wall street uh have our own um i don't want to say that we need to be segregated but i i do feel that black people need to invest in getting their own in creating spaces for black people to express their talents and to just thrive among each other and yeah i just feel like we don't need white people to be great we don't need white people to stand out okay like i just feel like we do need our own place but not in a segregated way you know just being great and just using all the things that our ancestors gave us to become an even greater race um so yeah that is the end of this episode of true crimes in tony time this episode was a longer one I think uh it definitely was beneficial and I learned so much from it um just hearing about Black Wall Street and getting more information and insight on it and the things that have happened on Black Wall Street so if you guys like this episode I hope you guys check out my YouTube channel my Instagram social media all that is the same it's Tony Brienne T-O-N-I-B-R-Y-A-N-N-E I would love for y'all to go check that out True Crimes of Tony Time will be having a YouTube channel coming very soon. I'm not sure if it's going to be this episode or the next one because I have to get my setup together and figure out how that's going to work. But that is coming very soon as well and I'm so excited for that. So y'all could see me talk and y'all could also see pictures of me describing certain events and even audio of these events. So y'all could have like a clearer picture of what really happened versus the podcast is just straight auditory. So yeah, thank you guys so much for watching and I will see you guys in the next episode of True Crimes and Tony Time.